0: Welcome back into the great Scott show. The great sports callers open think tank. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. (laughs) Gratitude. That's right. We are less than a week away from Thanksgiving. So I want to open up our pro Dola segment with our guy, Gus Cattongale on a positive note thankful for him for all these years coming on to the show thankful to still be in this line of work thankful for my family thankful for life so gus as bad a week as it's been the professional teams in the state of louisiana in the pelicans and in the saints i what let's 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 before i get upset why don't you open up with something that the fans should be thankful for as we head into this weekend?
1: I would say be thankful for the fact that you can be upset (laughs) in terms that you have teams, honestly. Um, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if a lot of people still follow, but I mean, St. Louis suing the NFL, it kind of looks like they got done dirty losing their team and stuff. And, you know, you and I still remember very clearly because we were working together at the time that, I mean, it, Absolutely, looked like the Saints were doing everything and everything to leave, and the NFL stepped in and stopped. And I, you know, I'm old enough to remember looking at the Times Picayune one morning with uh, the headline "Got 'em" when we thought we had the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then that went away. And I still remember waking up and going, "Wow, we got an NBA team!" When the Charlotte Hornets moved here, so I still remember that excitement. It does stink, and it's sort of like the way I. Say it to our listeners when they call our show, Scott, you know, the ones that say we stake, sell the franchise, you know, move them to Seattle. Look, in any business and field, if it's failing, you replace it with people that are, you know, that can make it better, right? I mean, companies do that all the time. You try to save it, you try to make it work. In professional sports, you have a very unique situation where the team's are adding value despite the win-loss record which is why i say that when it comes to a new arena stadium renovations fans can't look at wins and losses college football stadiums cajun fields suites and you know looking at facilities for play it has no bearing on wins and losses it'll help you get more wins if you don't do it it won't it says it's that simple so Be thankful you got him. I'm be thankful we can absolutely complain about the terrible job that David Griffin has done since he's gotten here. Um, It is a thankful thing, as strange as it sounds, to be able to um, sit there and be like, my goodness, the referees are at it again trying to, you know, get the Saints again. But you got a team and you're still in the playoff hunt. I mean, like, it's crazy when you think about it. We're complaining and um, and we've still got a, a chance. You know, still got a chance to, to still be in the postseason and everything. So I think when you look at it from all of those perspectives, man, it, it yeah, it, it is still for very good reason to be thankful uh, on a lot of different aspects of it because you still have an opportunity to do so and, and to have fun by doing it, you know?
0: Gus Gagel, Saints and Pelicans. Court. Um, Indeed. And if I don't talk to you before next Thursday, happy Thanksgiving. Uh I, you know, try to focus on some positives here. Herb Jones for the Pels, I guess, Um, for the Saints, you know, the fact that they have a winning record. Like, I I was saying this yesterday with Norman Locke on the air, and he loves to troll and all this other stuff. I was more PO'd after Sunday's regular season loss to the Titans than I have been after a Saints game in a long time. Um, I, I... If you had told me before the season, trying to spin this right now, being thankful is a positive, that the Saints would have, you know, Jameis on IR, the Trevor Simeon would be the quarterback, the Taysom would miss time, the Camaro would miss time, the Michael Thomas would never play, that they'd have six mixed extra points and go through five different kickers by week 10, and Will Lutz would never play, and you know, Armstead would miss time and and all this stuff. If you had just told me the rundown, you know, that their pass catchers would be as atrocious as they are, that Adam Troutman would not take the big step forward that many hope for, that it would be kind of the opposite, especially in big moments. Tell me all that stuff and say, what's their record after, you know, nine games? I would have said two and seven, you know, here you are at five and four. You're in the mix for a playoff spot and you've got a, a, a you said a must win and i'll get your thoughts on why you said that i think a a a I think it's it's the last thing before a must win sunday i didn't go as far as you but but i'll let you have the floor on why but getting back to my point about being thankful i mean the fact that they're they're 5 and 4 in a season like this one and and certainly in the mix for a playoff spot that is uh that's that's something i think saints fans don't maybe don't want to hear or don't want to be but that's something they should be a little, I think you should be thankful for. All things considered, most teams aren't still competitive in a playoff race when they have the cards that have been dealt to them, and the Saints are. So doesn't make last Sunday any better or the week before any better, but uh, but I, I think it's something to be thankful for this year, Gus, because I certainly wouldn't have expected it. No, you
1: know, that's the thing. I mean, I remember at the beginning of the year when it came to, you know, the Saints, it's... You know, Scott, one of those things where I kept calling it a potential playoff team, and you had to have all those people step up. And, you know, I, look, I, again, It's you have, what, eight weeks to go, right? And you're you're in the mix. I mean, you're you're looking at this and, and enjoying, you know, the fact that, hey, this is a game you got to win. Can you win this one? I'm calling it a must win because, you know, I, I'm looking at Buffalo and Dallas and, the Jets are sandwiched in between there. That's a team that you know. It's December twelfth. It could be cold. It could be snowing. You just don't know. I mean, I didn't think the Jets would get the wins that they've gotten this year, and they wind up beating some teams. I was surprised. So, you know what? At the end of the day, um, that that makes you nervous, especially with the with the Bucks, you know, on deck. So, I I I was just upset that the last two weeks, while different, even though some people asked Sean Payton this past week, are they similar, which I don't think they are at all. I just you needed to get that that Falcon game is still absolutely burning me. I mean, yeah, you could say the the rest, you can say whatever, you know, to um you know, to that Tennessee game. But you know, again, you don't have Camaro, you don't have that just that Falcon game to me is just it just absolutely, man, just gets me, you know, the the more I think about it. So I just look at it, man, back and forth as a situation where if the team can just somehow sneak in there and get in there, I think you got a shot. I think with the Rodgers, the Packers sort of look like a team that, that can be better than everybody else, but I think they're beatable. The Saints beat them, you know. They beat the Bucks. We're going to see and in two weeks or in three weeks Dallas where the Saints kind of stack up with Dallas. So, you know, it's going to be interesting, man, to kind of look at it.
0: ESPN Live, he had best ticket in sports. Pronounced segment, Gus Cattengel, our guest. Uh, Gus, taking a look at, as you said, this uh, this matchup and looking at it as a must win. Philly is um, outside physical game. Seems like the kind of game this Saints roster would want to play, right? They want it, they wanted to get, they want it to kind of get dirty. They want it to be in the trenches. They want it to be physical. They they're they're not built right now to play a game against the team that wants to sort of sling it all over the place. And, you know, this is a this is a an Eagles team that, you know, put 44 on albeit the Lions, you know, but played the Bucks competitive, you know. Um, that that's coming off of a dominant win against Denver because of their defense. They're four and six. They feel like the thing about that seventh playoff seed. Is that a lot of these teams that wouldn't feel like they're in the hunt all feel like they have it? So there's a sense of urgency already in the season, even though it doesn't end for another seven weeks, the regular season. There's a sense of urgency a lot, uh, with a lot of these teams. So you say must win for the Saints. I I go just a step below that, not quite, but it is a must win for the Eagles. And my point is this you're going into Philly where if they, you know, you, you'd say, oh, that's a bad thing. Actually, it's a good thing. <laughs> Every one of Philly's wins have come on the road this year. They can't win at home, so you actually might want to play them. You might actually <laughs> want to play them in Philly instead of the Dome, where the Saints have, you know, lost to bad teams in Atlanta and New York. So you're going to Philly against an Eagles team that is looking at this game as a must-win because they're going to say, "Man, we get by the Saints, we get to play the Giants twice, we get to play the Washington football team twice, we get to play the Jets. We're." totally in the thick of this thing if we beat the Saints. We're going to get a scrappy, hungry, desperate team, I think. on some, I'm, I'm expecting a dogfight. I don't know what the over-under is in this thing, Gus. Let me look it up right now. Uh, it is 43. Oof. I mean, yeah, I... Oh, I don't know. That's I would stay away from that line. Eagles are one and a half point favorites. That's not much. Like I'm expecting a close game and a dogfight, and I just, I just pray it doesn't come down to some two point conversion or a Saints kicker missing multiple PATs. You know, if they just if they just lose straight up man to man, and you don't have just a plethora of mistakes at the most inopportune times, I, okay. You know what? You deal with it, but. You don't want to lose the game Sunday the way that you lost last week because that was gut wrenching.
1: Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking, man. I just want to see this team kind of play to its capability because, Scott, they have to. Uh, what I mean by that is they have to play as good as they can for them to win. They're just not very talented on the offensive end at the skill position. I think they have a very good defense. The problem is, you know, um, if there's one area that I am concerned about is occasionally two things tend to pop up when the Saints defense gets taken advantage of or doesn't, you know, have to play perfect. Because that's what it is sometimes. You almost get a sense and feel that they have to play perfect football for this team to win because you just don't know what the offense is going to be able to do on a consistent basis. And that is give up the big plays on the back end. And, unfortunately, they're just not very consistent at rushing the passer, you know. And, look, it's going to be a conversation for later, and it's probably going to be one of those hard ones and difficult ones. Uh, and I understand the concept of being double teamed, but Cam Jordan doesn't impact the game like he used to. So if that's the case, who else is? I mean, the Saints are needing to bring in an extra player for pressure. I mean, that's just reality now. So, you know, Peyton Turner on IR now. I know Davenport had a better season this year than in seasons past but you know you're looking for that Trey Hendrickson you're looking for that guy who can get you a sack a game or at least potentially to do that and um, and be able to to, to provide that pressure and in this game it's going to be vital and crucial The, the most carries last week by Philly was Jalen Hurts they rushed for over 200 yards both backs had, I think, what, 13 and 12 carries separately. Hurts had 14. He's going to run the football. And it's about contain. It's about, you know, keeping eye discipline. I mean, it's basic football. But those guys are going to have to play well. Um, David Onyemata, this is your game here, you know. Middle linebacker, Pete Werner, um, Juan Alexander, got to make plays. If, if Philadelphia can move the ball up and down, and, and the problem is, as you saw last year, Right, all it takes is one missed tackle on an RPO or a read uh, option, and you're down seven. And I just the Saints are just not built, Scott, to get in the shootout. You, you saw them; it took them quarters to make their comebacks. I, I know they had 22 unanswered against the Falcons, but it's the Falcons, and it's the fourth quarter. You, you just you can't make that a habit of uh, second-half comebacks, if that makes any sense, Scott. So, I think to me it's, you know, to your point, you say scrapping, all that, it, it's absolutely vital to get off to a quick start. I think the Saints need 10 points in the first quarter, man. They, they've they got to get a touchdown in the first quarter.
0: It, it Just these slow starts are killing them. You know, you haven't had a first-half touchdown since your win against Tampa Bay, um, and, and that was what, uh, the first half, the one they got in that one was Jameis Winston, the Traquan Smith, and then Simeon to alex arma you haven't had a first half touchdown in the last two weeks you've come close but it's it's been this constant let's take uh, two steps forward three steps back and mark ingram has been a big part of the gameplay in the last two weeks and gus he's played well it's the problem is when they get down double digits and they're having to abandon the run later in the second half i, I think if if it's if it's the kind of game both teams want to play if it remains close that's what the Saints want to do here. Now, you know, if Armstead doesn't play or Ramchek, you know it, it's going to be more difficult. But everybody's saying, "Oh, I don't, I don't." Not everybody. I've heard folks suggest you don't want to do that against the Eagles for a game in Philly. I think this Saints team, the way they're built right now, uh, yeah. that's exactly what you want to do. And and yeah. it, again, Philly hadn't won at home this year, so you go in there, you play this game of the trenches. You mentioned Davenport. You know, we've been hard on them, but. I call him Davin Dorf. He's, he's been playing lately like Steven Dorf in Blade or True Detective Season 3. It's been the good Steven Dorf. And, uh, you know, anytime he, he spends an extra few seconds on the ground, I'm just waiting for him to limp to the sideline. But that hadn't been the case. I mean, the guy's been overpowering people. And I think him and DeMario Davis, um, their speed, their ability to be disruptive in a game where, I mean, Jalen Hurts, you remember last year, Gus, in that game? getting outside the pocket, doing things in a Saints loss at Philly, it's, it's about containment. And if you can uh, – I, I, whoever wins this game in the trenches and whoever wins this game in the run game, rushing offense and rushing defense, they're going to win. That's, that's going to be the winner, barring you know some wild turnover margin. That's going to be what happens here. So a lot of focus on Simeon, a lot of focus on how bad the Saints' pass catchers have been, a lot of focus on Adam Troutman, all – Understandable, but to me, this game is about running and stopping the run first and foremost.
1: Yeah, man, um, uh, I agree with you. Uh, it's 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 about you know getting the ground game going and and stopping. I mean, really, legitimately, is that honest? That easy? I mean, I know you can sit there and say, well, look, somebody's got to make a play in the passing game. I mean, that's obvious. And look, you know, you heard um, this week. Um, Traquan Smith touch on the fact that he knows that that position group has got to get, you know, you know, better and and they've got to make plays and they've got to do things. So they do. I mean, there's no other way to look at it, you know. I mean, this team has got to make plays. And they they got to be consistent, you know. It's going to be one of those games, as you're talking about, where a third down conversion can be a game momentum changer. It can be a lot of different aspects that, you know, um, turn the game around, quite honestly.
0: It's, uh, it's, it's... For younger Saints fans, it's hard for them to get used to that, right? You know, in the Peyton Breeze era, Saints ranked in the top five in offense and scoring offense every year. I mean, they led the league uh, eight of those years in in, in in one of those two categories, right? I mean, they were always an explosive offense. They're 26th in the NFL right now in yards a game. Uh, I think they're middle of the pack, 13th, I think, in points a game. But... I remember times when the Saints' offense was just kind of like pulling teeth, right? It was a grind. It was tough. It was difficult. You had to lean on the defense. You had to lean on special teams. And I, I you know, I'll, I'll just I'll close our Saints discussion with this, Gus. I I take back every negative thing I ever said about Will Lutz, and I didn't I didn't say tons of negative things about him. But I did have the absurd take that, you know what? You know, if he doesn't have a good season, he might be on the hot seat. I would say his stock's never been higher for the Saints spending the year uh, on injured reserve because, uh, man, I mean, that's a different game last week. It's different games at other points this season. If you have Will Lutz, uh, your play calling on offense, when you look at, a, at the team the Saints have now, it's one thing to have Will Lutz when you've got a top five offense. It's another thing not to have them when your offense is 26th in the league and you're playing field position more than you ever have and you're relying on defense and special teams. If you have a good quality kicker with this kind of team, it makes a world of difference. Not to say that Lutz wasn't a difference maker before. He absolutely was, and he's been a pro Bowler, and I get that. But the way this team is built differently than, than any other in the Peyton Breeze era, you 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 are missing – a true bona fide good kicker more this year than you would have any other year. And you had some years in the Peyton Breeze era where you had to use a different kicker and a guy got hurt, and I get all of that. But this year more than any other is when you would have needed a great kicker. And unfortunately, with the exception of maybe, you know, Martine Gramatica and, uh, and Orlando Mare, which was only a brief period of time early in the Peyton Breeze era, this has undoubtedly been the absolute worst kicking that they've had. They can't seem to get it right. It's cost them games, and if they don't make the postseason, Gus, a lot of people are going to point to reasons why. Number one on my list is going to be no Will Lutz.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know if it's number one on your list. I think, you, I think you're, you're drastically over. There's a, um, there's a lot
0: of number ones, receiver, all right?
1: No, receivers by far number one. I mean, look, here's the thing. The kicking thing and it's not you know ideal and it's not the best it's been and you wish it was better but i mean I, there there is no way you can say and i understand what you're saying but Dude, drop passes, inability to make plays, and all
0: that—that's absolutely. All right, all right, all right, all right. You're right. You're right. It's not number one on the list. It's not number one on the list. I guess I'm just feeling guilty about suggesting Will Lutz might have been on the hot seat, which was uh, which was absolutely absurd. Before I said that in the off season, that was that was an absolutely atrocious take by me. Well,
1: th- well, the thing is this, right? You would have never, you would have liked to have never had to have. It, I guess to make my point. The fact that the kicking is that important is because your offense hasn't sort of scored. But to your point, when you were referencing back in the day, the old Saints offensive or, you know, getting points and moving up and down the field relied on that, right? That's literally why Morton Anderson is in the Hall of Fame because it was rely on the defense, get uh, inside the 50-yard line, 40-yard line, and uh, we got three. And, you know, In today's NFL, man, that is just – that's brutal. Um, That's just not going to work on a lot of different scenarios and situations when you look at it. So, again, I I think as much as we've talked about as you can um, commend and basically credit and give due to Sean Payton, and all of the different things that he's done to make him, say, like, coach of the year and stuff, uh, I think it's also fair to say that the biggest overestimation of the century, right, is um, the...
0: We like the guys in our room. yeah. Right? you know,
1: because yeah. it, it's absolutely cost you. It's cost you perhaps a spot of the playoffs and all that because, to your point, you know, now that kicking is so important and all the other areas... It just goes up a bit, if that makes any sense.
0: No, yeah, the, the margin for error continues to shrink right. with the injuries, so your with, point, the, with though, the kicker, you know, with the receivers.
1: So you can't have a kicker that literally kicks the stupid ground before a ball. I mean, you know, I get everybody makes mistakes, and I understand it's the nature of the position where, Got him. you know, as a quarterback, I was talking about this on the air, you know, a quarterback can make a bad throw. You can, you know, have a bad quarter, get an interception, but you can somehow – Um, change it, you know, still have a good game. I mean, you know, you could make a bad read and blow it, but still, for the most part, have a good overall game. As a kicker, it's either make or miss, you know? There is no in-between. And your misses add up. You're a baseball guy as I am. And I keep equating it to essentially, to me, it's like walks. It doesn't matter if it's the first inning or the ninth inning. Miss extra points. Will absolutely come back and get you. Right? I mean, field goals, you can always look back and say, well, you know, it could have had three, but extra points, and I understand they're, they're not gimmies anymore, but man, those extra points will absolutely come back and haunt you. And it absolutely has. So, yeah, I mean, look, it, 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 with the team that they have this year, yeah, the kicker is uber important, which goes to tell you how poorly they misjudged their talent room when it comes to the skill
0: position. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we will get Gus's pick for Sunday's game. We'll talk briefly about the Pels and about the Raging Cajuns, Billy Napier, coaching rumors, and, uh, and the like. It's all coming your way. Eric Mutaw going to be in studio with me at 8.15, the former Raging Cajun hoopster. We're going to talk some Cajun hoops. We're going to talk high school football, among other things. Uh, game he and Bobby are calling tonight. Ascension Episcopal in the postseason. Going to be airing on Talk Radio 960. Eric's a great guy, great guest. Looking forward to talking sports with him. Up next, though, Gus Catengel still with me. Ah, man. I, he, he, last time I talked to him, he said people are still really angry about the Pel's over here. It's turned into apathy. Is it there yet in New Orleans? How are things rolling? And Again, like I said, talking a little, Coach Billy Napier, among other things, all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. Blah, blah. Welcome back into the great Scott show. The great sports callers open think tank ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Now one Oh three, three on the FM 1420 on the AM and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. If you're listening to us via the stream, whether it be connected cars, smart speakers, wherever you are, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Wheel Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Gus Catgill joining us this morning. Bronola's segment right now. We'll uh, we'll circle back to what unfolded at the Cajun Dome last night a little bit later. Uh, Gus, the the Saints Eagles game. We broke it down. We broke down the state of the Saints. Last thing on the Saints, and then we're segueing here. What is your pick for Sunday and why?
1: I I think the Saints pull it out. I do think the Saints win. I'm going to go something along the lines. You're talking about kind of a, you know, nasty little game every now and then. But, man, give me something like, oh, do I dare go 23-20, something like that? Do you think it could be that bad or like 19-17? I'm with you, man. I, I think it's going to be something where
0: you go, uh, oh. but yeah, I, I still see, I think the state's by three. How about that? All right. Uh, I I'll be honest right now. I'm, I, I'm kind of leaning toward maybe Philly winning this thing. Um, that's it it's all the time. Oh,
1: never mind. I'm on
0: your show. Well, well, well I, I'm going to wait and see what the Friday injury report <laughs> looks like. And then I'll, then I'll, then I'll, then I'll, then I'll, really set in the pick lock it in one way or the other. Uh, that is Gus Caggill, our guest. All right, Gus, People are getting apathetic about the Pelicans right now over here. You're 12 games under five hundred. You kind of added everything. I've been watching this team, and during the losing streak earlier in the season when you didn't have B.I. and you didn't have Zion, I still saw effort. I saw feistiness. I saw one-two. I'm not seeing that lately. I'm seeing second halves where it's just whether it be ice or whether or not be blocking out. I mean, Valanchunas has been good outside of that. You know, Graham's had a few moments here or there. It's just uh, uh, Herb Jones, right? But when you're two and 14, it's hard for me to find really anything that is, is, I don't know. I mean, again, gratitude, right? Trying to be thankful. Like it, I, I, I hate to say it, man, over here in Lafayette, it's, it's apathy right now with this franchise, and that's the worst thing to be, in my opinion. You fighting that yet, New Orleans, or is it still just is it still just mad rage?
1: It's everything. <laughs> Can I say everything. To use a Thanksgiving term, a cornucopia of emotions. Um, start with what you said, apathy. I, you know, always will get a, a caller or two that. Absolutely, we'll go into the old get rid of them, sell them. Like I was telling you earlier in our conversations, you know, it's not happening. It's worth a billion dollars, and you're having one skwadooshki. No one in their right mind is going to do it. Aside from the fact the owner already came out and said in her succession plan in her will, it's not going anywhere. So let it go. Um. But I get it. It's the sense of here we go again and it's the same old hell, it's the same old situation. Which crazy is all three would you say Hall of Fame, potential Hall of Fame or, you know, superstar players that you've had here that left, left for different reasons. There were different situations that led to it. But it all starts kind of piling in. It, I I almost – I, I never, didn't want to say this on the air just yet, but I was having a conversation with my neighbor across the street this week. Our kids were playing, having a brewski. And uh, he goes, you know the Pels are like the Cleveland Browns. And I'm like, you, you kind of look at it, and that franchise guy. I mean, how many times did they draft number one or take a franchise quarterback or – a key player neither either an injury or didn't pan out. How many coaches, GMs, like, you think of how many times they hit the reset button or were given the opportunity to hit the reset button and failed. And, man, if you can't look at the team since they've been here and almost look at it in that situation, right? You know, again, the Chris Paul thing, falls on your lap. It's going to be a Hall of Famer. The guy running it made stupid moves, got the team older, then traded one of his best players and friends behind their backs, didn't tell the coach, didn't tell the players. And it was a bad move to begin with. Not saying that you need to talk to all your players and coaches on all the moves you make, but something like that, a starter, absolutely. And that destroyed that situation. Then you add, you know, you get Anthony Davis. Played hard, recruited players, was about the community, didn't get in trouble, did a ton in of off, off the off-the-court situation, did a ton of things. And, you know, lost vision, lost hope, lost trust because of poor decisions poor signings or everything, draft picks. And, and that now you're in this incarnation where, you know, you have a mixture of unbelievably poor draft picks free agent signings, team construction, coaching decisions, and it's tied in, unfortunately, with the player that I don't know if he is a franchise player just yet mentally and physically. So if I'm a Pels fan, yeah. Other than a bag of crackling and something strong and dark-colored like bourbon, why should I feel good about watching a Pels game? Because I probably think, here we go again, you know, there's really no room and reason for hope because if I had a kid in 2002, what is he, 20 next year? Scott? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he would be 20 years old. Yeah. Dude. He would be 20 years old, and my poor child, if I had him at 2002 when the team first moved here, would have experienced brief moments of winning, but predominantly about 80% of just a poorly run franchise between three ownership groups including one being the NBA
0: the the Saints and Pelicans are separated by a parking lot yet their worlds apart you know what I mean like in terms of the, the fabric in the community in terms of how they're run and operated I don't just mean based on the current results I'm talking about the whole thing um it's frustrating, Gus, because I think you and I always feel like if if you do a few things right, how much could change? But it's just it's it's one one mistake after another, and uh, unfortunately, I mean, I've I've just been reduced to celebrating, you know, Valanciunas and how he manages to keep his hair perfect while just going hard in the paint. You know, like I'm, I, I mean, that's I'm, I'm reaching. Reaching for straws here to look at some of the positives. All right, before we let you run, uh, Louisiana Raging Cajun football. I know you talk to Coach Napier every week on your show, as do I. Um, Cajuns going to Liberty this week. uh, Tomorrow, taking on a team that has one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Taking on a team that is uh, uh, favored to win from a betting standpoint, or at least they're a betting favorite. You want to phrase it however you want. Uh, They are. They've won 15 in a row at home. A lot of excitement here in Lafayette, I guess, about the Cajuns hosting the conference championship game at Cajun Field on December the 4th, as there should be. But Coach Napier, he, he was saying yesterday, uh, Wednesday to us, he's like, "I don't think this is a trap game. Look at the opponent. Look how good they are. Look where we're going. Like this, th- there, there's a lot to play for in terms of our goals and what we want to do." Um, He's not looking ahead. I don't know that the players are. I'd like to think they're not. Uh, but in terms of, like, tough competition, and look, the Cages have been favored big in some games, and, and it goes down to the wire. They've been, you know, an underdog in a game against App State that they won 41-13. to 13. So throw the line out the window. Just in terms of playing at Liberty and with their quarterback – I think it's going I, – I again, I think it's going to be a really close contest tomorrow. I think it's going to be – and if it's close, then I like the Cajuns because they almost always win the close ones, right? I've said it before. Since 2018, the Cajuns are – you know, uh, or 2019, the Cajuns are 9-1 in and and games decided by four points or less. But this one coming up, I, I, I think tomorrow, it might be a one-possession type game. In fact, I'm expecting it to be. I'm looking for a close contest tomorrow for the Cajuns that if they want to – you have a chance here, Gus, if you're Louisiana, you're already on a school record nine-game winning streak. You have a chance to finish this season, if you went out, to possibly play a UTSA Roadrunners team that's in the top, what, 15 right now, top 20, that's undefeated, that probably will win CUSA, win a conference championship game, you have a potential New Orleans bowl matchup with two top 25 teams and the winners undoubtedly going to be ranked in the top 15 of the final polls. There's, there's, there's a lot. I know I'm looking down the line here, but I think when you're a G five and you're a mid major, it's about building year to year. So you're consistently a name and a brand that's always in the mix. Okay. Best G five type team. This, this game tomorrow, it's a non-conference game. I get it. But in in the big picture here, This is a huge opportunity for Louisiana when you factor into what is on the line afterwards if you get the win.
1: Yeah, I think you have a very sound take. It's almost incredible, really, when you think about it, um, how far Cajun football has come. And I mean it's respectfully where, you know, you're debating whether or not a team is being overlooked or not. Um, It's crazy because, to your point, unless you've been following college football through the season closely, oh you're probably not even familiar with Liberty. Look, they're all excited because they're going to Cusa. while well, other teams are, you know, excited to bail out of Cusa. They're excited about it. And the thing is this, we all know the name Hugh Freeze, right? So he's their coach, as I'm sure everyone's heard this week. And as you and I talked about on our show Wednesday – Malik Willis is going to be the first or second quarterback selected, more than likely, in the NFL draft in April. So that's right there. It's all you need to know. Um, when I talk to different people, you know, they compare him to a very good running back. I think you said Wednesday he reminds you like Lamar Jackson, kind of that type of player. Uh, mm-hmm. Anybody that reminds me of that kind of player, I'm leery, right? <laughs> I'm worried. It's on the road, and Look, you want to get, I think, if I'm the Cajun, I want to continue that upward trajectory. I want to continue recruits looking at me. I'm not even kidding you. This week alone at the gym, I was talking to a couple people that might have listened to the show, may listen to Coach when he comes on on Tuesdays. I had one guy, whose kids, 14, playing football, and he's like, I want my son to go to UL." I mean, that's, you know, or I guess it's, it's Louisiana. I mean, it's... It's crazy. I mean, like, I don't really honestly remember a lot of people kind of feeling that way, and it's because of them winning, the environment, all that stuff. So you want to keep that moving forward, and the way to do that is to finish. To me, Scott, in the college football playoff rankings in the top twenty-five because they do go over to twenty-five. I know we always focus the four or five or six, and who's going to get in the playoffs. But if you can finish the end of the year, Scott. And that includes winning the conference championship game. And you're inside the CFP 25. That is a massive beast. You're putting that on the program guide next year. You're touting that. That's going to go in Coach Napier's bio. That goes under Levi Lewis's history. That goes into every single thing. If you can finish in the top 25, congratulations, you were ranked this year. Where would you finish? Where'd you finish? Did you finish in the top 25? And if you do, that means you're making a name. Because that top 25 is not just coaches or just writers. It's the committee. The committee picks the 25. They take everything into account. schedule, conference, wins, all of that. So you want to win out, man. If you're in the cages, you don't want to lose again this season. And... You do that, Scott. You have a very good chance. Could you imagine finish the CFP rankings here inside the twenty, or your twenty or higher? That that is arguably the best season in Cajun football.
0: Last year, you finished with your highest ranking ever, fifteenth in the AP. You surpassed it this year. There's just there's a lot still there. And look, if you lose, there's still a lot there. Don't get me wrong, because you're. You're playing for a conference championship. You still potentially could play UTSA in the bowl game. You could still maybe finish in the top 25, but you, you win, man. You're first of all, it's a great road win against uh, one of the better G5 teams, but you set yourself up nicely. Final thing with you Gus. appreciate you joining us, Gus Cattingell at gcat underscore one seven on Twitter, Coach Billy Napier, um, names out there all the time. LSU rumors, they want Lincoln Riley. Oh, he might not go one thing after another. You hear a lot of their fans say Napier could be in play. Um, you have Cajun fans saying, I don't think so. I, I, Sports Illustrated saying TCU, they want either Sonny Dykes or Billy Napier. They're interested. We've seen Napier turn down, or rather take his name out of the running, however you want to word it. We've seen teams go after him. Um, th- this, this, th- The potential of him at LSU has been a narrative throughout the season it's not like it's anything new um is billy napier in your mind gonna be coaching at ul next year and and you know if not where do you think he's gonna end up being i know we talk about it a little differently here in lafayette but i'm kind of getting your thoughts on what the pulse has been like over there in new orleans in regards to
1: the name billy napier well Woke up Thursday morning and somebody texted me. Uh, see if I got it accurately here, which was kind of remarkable. Not we heard a lot this week about Lincoln Riley over at LSU, but eight years, 96 is the number I've been hearing. Yeah. Which is 12. That's absolutely absurd. He starts Mel Tucker Wednesday, get a $95 million 10 year deal to stay at Michigan State. Um, you know how I feel about this, and I, I don't ever not want to be invited on your show. I would love Billy Nate at LSU, and it's not because I don't want him to be in KD because I think he does such a good job there. And it's something that you and I have talked about in your show and our show, and I see you tweet it out too. Um, don't be able to coach where you have 90 to 100,000, where you have that kind of support and everything. And I understand it's two different worlds. Um, believe me, I want Southern Miss. And uh, I've been part of the Tulane broadcast group for 13 years. There are haves and there are have-nots, and that a lot of times isn't based on the dedication of the fan base of the city you're in. So I do understand that. But, you know, you just wonder what kind of programs he would run. And, And the main reason, quite honestly, that I'd love to see him there is because it is a state school. Um, For a lot of people, my dad went there. I grew up going there. Um, It's been an absolute train wreck and disaster. It's been, you know, riddled with, you name it, stories of bar fights, stories of, you know, drugs, suspensions, sexual assault. I mean, you name it. It has been an absolute disaster because, unfortunately, people value wins over, you know, character and things of that nature. And I, I know winning's important. I wish you could somehow kind of marriage it. And when you speak to him, look, I, I've told you this already. That guy reminds me of Sean Payton. And maybe without a lot of the attitude that Sean Yeah, had, he's, Billy's a Bob lot more Catherine warm and welcoming. Earlier this week. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and, you know, you add that, I think it was Jay Walker that told me the story. And one of the first things he does to a new player when he comes in is teach him how to shake a hand and look at you in the eye. It's just stuff like that, that, again, it's not that I want to pull him away from you guys. It's when you have an utter disaster in Baton Rouge, that would be a great father figure, coach, human being, you know, Culture, culture
0: changer. I think culture it's changer is the, uh, exactly. is the phrase exactly. you're looking for there. Yeah. You know,
1: and, and, and look, it, it's an environment, because of the SEC, because of who they are, that would represent the state well. And that's why I say that. I mean, obviously, man, you never want to lose a good coach. You never want to lose a good person in a community. Um, I, I don't know, Scott, where he's going to go. I, it, it's, it's crazy because you, you saw a not lot go of anywhere potential openings Stayed or you well. coaches where you think that they would be leaving. And you see them almost use the LSU job as leverage. You know, Jimbo, Dabo, Franklin, uh, Tucker all got raises or got something because there was a threat of LSU coming and get you. So, you know, USC still open, got a couple other jobs, Virginia Tech. But, look, when when you have a couple of SEC schools like we have had the last couple years, come and ask and talk with him. I think he's very smart to understand the situation, right? Um, so I think if he does leave, it's probably going to be for a school that, you know, gives him a chance to win, and it's one that he feels isn't going to be, where I think that's the problem with LSU right now. It's, You know, last year Max Johnson's a hero, and now they can't wait to get rid of the kid. You know, it's, it's that kind of fan base. So, you know, is that the environment you want? What if you can't beat them? What what if something goes wrong? You know, do you want that? And I think when it comes to guys like Tucker and other guys, hey, you win, you win where you are. You're God. You know, Jimbo's like, why do I want to go anywhere? I'm fine here. So it's gonna be interesting to me whether yeah,
0: and and look,
1: Kiffin leaves Ole Miss. Does he go to Ole Miss? You know, is that a situation you look at? Do you go to the East? In the SEC do you go Big Twelve, ACC. I don't know. Did he wait for Debo Sweeney, you know, to call it a day? In or, or you, know, the day? Well, I don't do know. you
0: do you just do you just keep waiting for the for the right perfect opportunity? Do you do you, do you stay at UL? All this stuff for for, for, for LSU fans. I think fans. winning a
1: conference title, Scott, is important for him. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, well, one hundred percent. I I think, I think getting that, or maybe getting to the point of the quote unquote, I've done all I can here. And I know it sounds horrible, but. I, what I'm like yeah,
0: but I don't look at it that way, Gus. I think for him, right. it's about, look, yes, he wants to, look, they want to win conference. They want to do all those things. They got a lot of goals. I think really it's just about autonomy, staff, and a lot of things. It's about fit more than anything else and synergy, right? The synergy that he has with the athletic director, Brian Maggard, with the university president, Dr. T. Jost, Dr. Savoy. That's something that he has referenced a lot. That's something uh, Brody Miller wrote about in his article earlier this week. It's something that is very important and a big reason why he continues to thrive at UL and do well. And Gus saying that he thinks that he thinks LSU should hire him, isn't going to factor into LSU one way or another. No offense, (laughs) Gus, you have that kind of pull, but uh, I don't want, you know, LSU fans to tweet him and say, heck yeah. Yeah. And I don't want UL fans to tweet you and be like, oh gosh, go to hell, whatever. I mean, it's, the reality is this, this discussion is conti- going to continue to be had among many when you have a lot of success as the head football coach at UL, which he has had. Check out Gus weekdays, ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. It is uh, called the Sports Hangover Noon to 3. And, um, of course, on Twitter at GCAT underscore 17 here on Fridays at ESPN Lafayette. Gus, I'm going to let you run, man. Have a happy Thanksgiving next week. All the best, brother, and uh, I hope you enjoyed those cracklings that I had Jay deliver to you last week.
1: (laughs) I absolutely did, and you know what? We started by talking about what was thankful. I'm thankful for your friendship, man, thankful we've known each other for a long time, and that you still care enough to send me some cracklings. So I appreciate it, man, and thank you to the people over there that make the cracklings. So keep going. Good work. (laughs) You got it,
0: brother. All the best, man. Happy Thanksgiving. Take care, brother.